You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome into another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. And people are starting to write as if free agency is over, James. Teams are getting graded for their performance, and the reviews haven't been very kind to the Bengals. And I can see where they're coming from. We'll start there. We'll talk a little bit about what they can do to fix it the rest of the way, given who is still available and some of the guys they missed on on Monday including one guy that I would have loved for them to have signed and and they were reportedly actually in on. Then we'll wrap up with some draft news, including Kyle Pitts running a 4-4-6 reportedly on a 40-yard dash on Monday. James, let's start with the reviews of the Bengals' free agency period so far. The summary, as everybody knows, is William Jackson and Carl Lawson out, Trey Hendrickson, Jadobe Awuze, Mike Hilton and Larry Ogunjobi in on the defense. Geno Atkins and Bobby Hart, of course, out as well. And the only player in on offense is Riley Reef, And that's where the criticism begins and for the most part ends from PFF, from Peter King. The Bengals have not done enough to protect Joe Burrow, according to Peter King and, and the PFF evaluators and I mean, I think you and I certainly agree with that. The only thing that I guess is a silver lining for Bengals fans who don't want to hear that despite all this activity and external free agents, the team hasn't gotten better, is that there's still time. But I I think that the, the point that I want to make here is that they have not done enough yet. If you look at the balance of the players in and the players out and what the team was good at last year and what the team was bad at last year, it's really hard for me to, as of today... For the moves they've made so far, make a case that the team has actually gotten better yet. And even if they're they are better, it's a, such a small sliver, like such a tiny amount, that it's just not enough. That they they have to do more, and hopefully they do more. And that's what was so encouraging. And you broke it down on yesterday's show about Riley Reef and the way they did the void year to to free up more cap space. And, and so, I think they're trying. You have to do more than try because there are no participation ribbons in the NFL, not for free agency, not for the guy you want in the draft. doesn't matter. Sometimes the Bengals scouted correctly. They wanted Frank Ragnow a couple of years ago, didn't get him, but that was their guy. Well, they were right about that. He's a really good center. He's a really good offensive lineman, but he didn't make it to 21. And so then they took a guy and it hasn't worked out so far in Billy Price. Well, that's just one of the many examples. You don't get a participation ribbon for getting that evaluation right. Sheldon Rankins, that's a guy you wanted that you were campaigning for. And to your credit, they were in on him. Well, that's great, but it's only great if you get it done. So it's it's good to know, and I guess it is reassuring to know that they're one, trying. Two, it seems like the vision sort of matches in a way, at least it did with Sheldon Rankins, because there are at least some of the their lack of activity, and we'll get to it, that... um, that I'm questioning, at least reports about it and things like that in the tea leaves behind the scenes. But you got to protect Joe Burrow. And at minimum, when we came into this offseason, and they're never going to get to this number now, Jake, but in my mind, I said, man, 
if you have to get to 25 or 30 million on two offensive linemen to really just upgrade the line, and, and I mean per year, not cap hit wise, then do it. Let's roll. And it didn't work. And I like the Riley Reef signing, but that's not even close to enough. Nick Easton is potentially going to visit this week, according to Jeremy Fowler, the the former um, New Orleans Saints center slash guard. That's a guy that's a depth signing. I would like it. He can't be a starter, like a penciled in starter type guy. He can play both guard spots and center. That's great. Have him be the backup at all three spots if you need to, if you do sign him. I like the player. It's fine, but it isn't the solution. And so hopefully they understand that in, in their logic or their mindset is in line with ours. I'm not sure it is, but we'll see. Yeah, I think that that's an interesting one, Nick Easton. We'll talk a little bit more about what that might look like in segment two. But I put together a thread today, James. I don't know if you saw it on. I looked at like the PFF grades for the different major attributes, the team rankings. I looked at the DVOA rankings for the Bengals last year. And let's start with defense. And and you just tell me if you think they've gotten better or worse at these spots. Okay. You ready? Yep. Coverage. PFF ranked the Bengals coverage grade on defense ninth in the NFL in 2020. They lose William Jackson. They still have Jesse Bates. They add Awuzie. They add Hilton. Better or worse? Or I guess maybe the same. It's worse because William Jackson the third is better than any of those guys you mentioned in coverage. And so when you lose your best cover corner, as much as I like the two playmakers, right, and, and I like Awuzie's potential, and he's probably entering his prime, hopefully, right, in, in a guy that is scratching the surface and could be better and his best years could be spent in Cincinnati, he's not William Jackson the third, And Mackenzie Alexander was pretty good, not great last year, but he was fine. And Mike Hilton isn't a great cover corner. And so there are things I like. There are things that they're better at than Alexander and Jackson. But as far as pure coverage goes, give me Jackson all day long. And I guess the other thing here is, is that you do bring in Trey Waynes and you could say, well, Trey Waynes is taking the place of Jackson. Well, he's not known for being amazing in coverage either. So I think they certainly did downgrade in coverage when you're looking at that specific aspect. I think I largely agree with that. I think that having Jesse Bates back there is a significant difference. I think the upgrade from LaShawn Sims to, you know, potentially Trey Waynes or Abouzier is a pretty significant difference. So I could see this being a wash, but I think like the individual talent level has gone down because Jackson is gone. The, the results again might be similar, but losing Jackson hurts. And we've talked about that. Next one's pass rush. The, the weakest part of the team in 2020. 31st last year, you have Lawson and Atkins out. Atkins was hurt last year. Joby and Hendrickson in. Better, worse, same? It's better, slightly, because they didn't get any interior anything last year. And so that's, that's where it is. I think there's an upgrade there, and it is significant because Atkins was nothing. And Trey Hendrickson, slightly worse than Carl Lawson, but I think overall it's it's slightly better. And we'll see if Hendrickson can take another step too. There's a chance that he rides sure. the momentum of a big sack year into developing more consistent pressure, and, and that would be great. There's a chance that Sam Hubbard, you know, is a healthier year and, and makes some of those strides that we saw. He was playing a lot better down the stretch last year. Last one on defense, James, run defense, 25th last year. We've talked about the players in and out. The biggest difference here will be 
Does DJ Veter stay healthy? Is Josh Tupo still a contributor to this team? I think they're slightly better, but part of that has to do with who they brought in. I think they're going to have tackle, you know, a high end, a high end secondary that tackles well. And it does matter who else they bring in. You're right. Um, can they get one more defensive lineman in here? But uh, I do think that they'll be slightly better against the run. And it, it really is dependent on reader, which I assume I'm just going to assume now that he will be healthy. The other thing to consider is do the linebackers take a bit of a step in the second year? And the Bengals certainly seem to be banking on it, although they are at least looking at some linebackers in the draft and have reportedly met virtually with Boston College's Isaiah McDuffie. A couple more things to hit on the offense here before we get out of this, James. Pass blocking, 27th in the NFL in 2020. You add Reef, you lose Hart. Lightning round here on the offense, James. They still need to get better here, right? They have to fix the interior. No doubt. Worst position group on the team. Next one, run blocking, 21st. And again, run blocking has such a huge impact on the running game overall. You add Reef, you get better there. I think this is the same answer. It's pretty obvious. Yep, interior offensive line. Can you fix it? I don't know if they can fix it or not. The last <laughs> one, receiving. People seem to think that the wide receivers in Cincinnati are, are pretty good and they didn't need to go fix this. But PFF had the receiving grade for this group, including tight ends, including running backs, 22nd in the NFL, bottom third. And they have done literally nothing to get better at this spot. They're much worse. The depth has taken a hit. A.J. Green played a ton of snaps. They haven't replaced him. So they're they're much, much worse in that area, and it's a big need. Got to get better at some of these spots, and there's time to do so. We'll talk about some free agent moves that could help with that, and we're back to draft talk today, James. That's what's in store for you guys for the rest of this episode of the podcast. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. There were a ton of upsets in college hoops over the weekend. Hopefully, you cashed in with Bet Online. Hopefully, you were listening to us, and hopefully, you were one of the few I think that picked some of those upsets. Either way, now is your chance. Don't delay. Go to BetOnline.ag. They cover awards, TV shows, reality TV, and like I said, college hoops. Plus the NFL draft right around the corner. We're going to talk about it later in the show. Even prop bets on the draft. So check them out right now. BetOnline.ag. Sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code Locked On. All you got to do is make that first deposit. You do that with promo code Locked On going to get a 50% welcome bonus. Again, betonline.ag, promo code locked on to get a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Veteran offensive lineman Nick Easton set to potentially visit Paul Brown Stadium this week, Jake. This was interesting. Jeremy Fowler tweeted it out on Monday afternoon reporting that Easton has, quote, possible visits with the Bengals and Texans coming up. So let's just assume he's going to be at Paul Brown Stadium Stadium later this week visiting the Bengals. And he, by the way, Fowler does note the Saints are potentially interested in re-signing him depending on their salary cap and all of those things that obviously that, uh, that they're trying to work out there in, in New Orleans. But this is interior line help. It might not be the guy that a lot of people have talked about in Trey Turner, but He's a, a veteran, a guy who made uh, nine starts last year for the Saints, played in 12 games, has the ability to play left guard, right guard, played center at the beginning of his career, so they probably like his versatility. I don't hate this move, 
But I'm also not excited if Nick Easton is is one of the potential starters on the Bengals offensive line in 2021. Yeah, Easton is a move that I'm happy with if they're taking that shotgun Bills approach to the offensive line that we've talked about a lot of times on the podcast, right? If 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 it's Nick Easton and a guy like Larry Warford or Trey Turner, then I'm totally cool with it. Then it's a competition body. It's a guy that can spot start at center. If Trey Hopkins isn't ready to start the year, it's a guy that is clearly held in high esteem around the league, despite having some struggles the last couple of years with the Saints. He did sign a four-year deal with the Saints a couple of years ago, came into the league as an undrafted free agent out of Harvard, was initially with the Baltimore Ravens, didn't stick there, but has been around in the NFL and, and clearly still has a respect and interest of these teams, the Texans and Bengals and Saints, all interested in his services. So for the Bengals, if he's a guy that comes in and competes with Xavier Suofilo and Mike Jordan and a guy like Trey Turner or Larry Warford, then I start to feel okay about that interior offensive line headed into the draft where you could get an additional guy who could get into that mix with those veterans, potentially learn from those veterans. Then you have good depth, then you have good injury insurance. And, and that just looks a lot better than last year. But if Easton is the, you know, this year's John Miller, this year's Xavier Suofilo, who they're signing mm-hmm. to come in and start, then I think you're, you're repeating the same mistakes that literally you've made for the last couple of years where you try to find one budget guard and hope he works. Again, if this was part of a multiplayer plan and they wanted to bring in three guys for $3 million and let them fight it out, I feel a lot better about that approach and, and hoping that one of them clicks than just getting one guy. And we'll see. Maybe this is just the tip of the iceberg and there's more coming, but we don't really know yet. We don't know that they're interested in any of these other guys that are still available. And you've got the report from Tyler Dragon today, which contradicts what we previously had heard. And he says that the Bengals actually haven't talked to Trey Turner. I don't know which one is actually true there, but if the Bengals haven't reached out to Trey Turner, I think that, uh, you know, hopefully they're reaching out to Larry Warford instead. (laughs) If they haven't reached out to Trey Turner, I don't know what the hell they're doing at Paul Brown Stadium, Jake. That's the bottom line. Because you got a five-time Pro Bowler, and I don't want to hear about the groin strain or how he was dinged up all of last season. Yeah, it's that stage of free agency where you're going to have flaws with these free agents. But Trey Turner is 27 years old, going to be 28. He could still potentially be entering his prime. It may not feel like it now, but that could be the case. And so if you're the Bengals and you don't even pick up the phone and call Trey Turner, that is absolutely ridiculous and unforgivable because there's no way that a five-time Pro Bowler just fell off the map so much that the worst guard play in the league, the worst interior offensive line in the league, because their starting center, Trey Hopkins, is injured. We can't bank on him. So the worst interior line in all of football can't reach out to a former Pro Bowler. He was a Pro Bowler 18 months ago. You know, two years ago. Excuse me, two years ago. So this idea, 2019, that that he's suddenly just nothing. No, Trey Turner's still better than Xavier Suofilo. Trey Turner's still better than a lot of these guys out there. And if he isn't, it's okay because you're going to sign him to a low money deal. He's not getting big money in free agency. That ship has sailed. So hopefully they've reached out to him. Hopefully this report isn't accurate. And I'm not questioning Tyler Dragon. I'm saying if this is accurate, it's absolutely ridiculous. I think that 
a really important point is there is no right guard on this roster right now. You got a bunch of guys that are left guards in Xavier Suafield. <laughs> Even if they bring Quentin Spain back, he's a left guard. He he played right guard for the Bengals last year. People are really high on Quentin Spain. And, you know, I might be the lowest on him, but I would like to see him back if for no other reason than to see if he can get back to his Titans form and, and try to recapture some of the magic and provide competition and provide some depth. There's still some other guys out there they could look at too that, that are tackles that maybe could play guard. Rick Wagner's played some guard in his career. Uh, but that's really it. I don't really want to go much past that. And the well's just starting to run dry. And it's starting to run dry at wide receiver as well. And so who's left out there that we would like to see the Bengals go get? I mean, at this point, we're looking at guys like, you know, edge rushers like Alden Smith, Justin Houston, Jordan Jenkins. You're looking at guys like Kenny Stills at wide receiver, maybe. Uh, that that kind of speedster, the, the kind of one-dimensional vertical guy that you can play a few snaps on the outside to take some of those deep shots. That's really what you're looking for at this point. And, and you're not really mm-hmm. finding, I mean, we're week two of free agency at this point, right? You're, you're not finding plug-and-play starters. I'm bummed that they're not even, it doesn't even feel like they're interested in Sammy Watkins. And obviously, we only know a certain amount, but he's got a visit scheduled Tuesday. And if you're listening to this today with the Ravens, if you listen to this on Tuesday. Um, and so that's coming up. And then he's got a visit scheduled reportedly Wednesday with the Colts in both of those teams on the prowl for wide receivers, on the hunt for wide receivers. Maybe, Jake, no one's interested in T.Y. Hilton and they just think he's completely done. I think that isn't the case. I assume that he's you know, potentially going to end up back in Indianapolis. It feels like a good fit there, goes elsewhere. But yeah, there there isn't much out there. And so if that's the case, now, and as we transition and get into the draft next segment, that puts some pressure on the idea of upgrading this wide receiver core big time in the draft. And that becomes one of their big, especially if they do the shotgun approach. Let's say they sign Larry Warford and Nick Easton, right? Let's just two of those guards or Trey Turner and Nick Easton. Well, then your biggest need might be wide receiver. And, and that doesn't mean you take one at five, but it might be your biggest need depending on what else they do. And, uh, you know, you, we could see them after they were in on Rankins addressing the defensive line, addressing the offensive line. They're looking at the trenches right now. If they do those things in free agency over the next couple of weeks and don't address wide receiver, we could be talking about that being their biggest need come April. Speaking of April, Jake, we have to talk about the NFL draft. We've been so focused on free agency, but now we're going to take a second and look at a guy who might have boosted his draft stock with how fast he ran on Monday. We'll get to that next, but we talk about it all the time. RockAuto.com is the number one place you should go for all of your auto parts needs. The weather's getting better. You're working in the driveway now. Maybe you're changing your oil. Maybe you're doing different car maintenance things with your vehicle and you want to keep it on the road. You want to keep it running well, whether it's filters, whether it's windshield washer fluid, it doesn't matter what you're looking for. They have it at rockauto.com. They're a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for more than two decades. Go to rockauto.com right now. Shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers and see everything that they have to offer you. I've used them. You should too. So check them out, rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car, truck, and right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. 
I'm really excited because I got a new shipment of Built Bars today that came in the mail. I got some new flavors to try. I've got the birthday cake with sprinkles. That's a protein bar. A protein bar called birthday cake with sprinkles. In fact, that protein bar on Monday was matched up against coconut in the Built Bar Madness tournament bracket on Tuesday. It's chocolate brownie chunk against lemon almond cheesecake. How about lemon almond cheesecake? making a real run deep into the tournament here in Built Bar Madness. Go check out all the flavors at BuiltBar.com. Find the one that tickles your fancy. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. They've got great macros, as James loves to tell you about, with good protein to sugar to fat ratios. They taste great. They're low-calorie. They're filling. No reason not to get some Built Bars into your workout routine And you can go vote for your favorite in the Built Bar Bracket Challenge. All that at BuiltBar.com. We've got a promo code for you, LOCKED15, to save 15% on your next order. That's LOCKED15 to save 15% at BuiltBar.com. It's time for some frame-by-frames of Pruder film analysis, James. We've got a 40-yard dash for Kyle Pitts that went up in video form on Twitter, reportedly ran a 4-4-6. Malik Wright, our guy who we've talked about on this podcast, who's been pretty reliable in this free agency process. The guy that reported to the contrary of Tyler Dragon on the Trey Turner thing. We don't really know which one of those is right right now. He also thinks that there's no way the Bengals draft pits at five. I'm inclined to agree a little bit at this point, the way free agency has gone so far. And that's because they haven't found, if they sign Kenny Galladay, for example, then maybe Kyle Pitts gets a little bit more likely because maybe if they sign Galladay, they hope that they're keeping him after his one-year deal. If they had gone out there and signed Matt Filer, in addition to Riley Reef, maybe they feel like they can go tackle in the first round and get a more, sorry, go tight end in the first round and get a more developmental tackle in the second round. But they didn't do those things. (laughs) <laughs> and so, yes, they need to get better at wide receiver. They need to get better weapons. They also need to get better on the offensive line. So to me, that kind of puts some pressure on them to go actually toward wide receiver and offensive line, considering especially the amount of resources and money in the form of CJ Uzama's contract that they've put toward the tight end position in the last few years. I wouldn't be shocked, Jake, and this is going to be a little bit of a take, so hold on to your butt. If when the Bengals board comes all the way together, They have all three wide receivers, the top wide receivers ahead of Kyle Pitts. Now, they might not. And people are going to be like, oh, my God, but he's third on this board and he's second on this board. But you're right. And that positional value does matter. And so that's part of it. And, yeah, the 4-4-6, he is a freak. There's no doubt about it. But if I told you Jamar Chase uh, had 1,200 yards in 2021 – with the Bengals. Would that shock you? I mean, it wouldn't shock me if I told you that Devontae Smith had a thousand yard season, a Justin Jefferson, like maybe not 1400 yards, but a Justin Jefferson, like impact on the Bengals. I don't think that's crazy shocking because if he stays healthy, I think everyone thinks he's a really damn good receiver. Shout out to Chad Johnson, by the way, who is really defending 170 pound Devontae Smith. Uh, on on Monday afternoon. And then I, I think we've made it clear that we both like Jalen Waddle. So it wouldn't shock me if all three of these wide receivers are ahead. It, it would be a little surprising, I think, but it wouldn't be shocking. 
our old friend Joe Goodberry made a good point about Jalen Waddle specifically and why he's probably actually not high on the Bengals board, no matter what you think of wide receiver breakout age. And there's actually some really cool stuff that somebody figured out with adjusting wide receiver breakout age for the age they came into college. And I think Joe retweeted some of that stuff. So go check out his timeline if you're into that analytic. Or if you're not into it, go read Vance Meek's timeline because Vance Meek is full steam ahead on Jalen Waddle and doesn't give a damn about your breakout age. But <laughs> there is some there is some history that supports breakout age for wide receivers and the Bengals, for better or for worse, have a history of caring about breakout age. There there's a there's a history there with T. Higgins, with Tyler Boyd, with some of the other guys they've picked in the last 10 years that tells us that that is something that they care about. So Jalen Waddle, maybe not ahead of some of these other guys. I could certainly see it for Devontae Smith and for Jamar Chase. And how about Devontae Smith, man? I'm 170 pounds, guys, but don't measure me. I'm not going to step on a scale, and I'm definitely not running. But trust me, I, I like this tweet. I don't remember who had it. Trust me, I'm in the third percentile of weight for wide receivers. I'm 170, I promise. <laughs> It is. It is pretty funny. Uh, by the way, the breakout age comment, just before I forget, that's why Jamar Chase is the number one receiver on the Bengals board. I, I just I'll go ahead and I'll put it out there. Breaking news. James reports it. No, I, I don't actually know, but I would be uh, very, very confident in saying that because that's one of the many reasons. Right. And they really don't have to do with Burrow. I'm just talking about Chase, the player. I think he's going to be the top receiver on the Bengals board. We're going to have a lot of time to talk about this, Jake, but what do you think about Devontae Smith? Because he had a ton of production, 170 pounds. Maybe he is 167. Maybe he was juicing the numbers a bit to get to that 170. Let's just, let's throw it out there. By the way, if the Bengals draft Devontae Smith, we'll give him the Kenny Galladay treatment. We'll send him some built bars. I'll start lifting with him. I mean, hell, I, I weigh a buck like 83 as we're doing this podcast. We can get some weight on Devontae Smith. I'm only 5'9", by the way. So it's no problem. Uh, but but what do you think about him? Because I like him. I, I Again, I keep comparing him to Justin Jefferson. I just think they're both polished players. Not that Smith's going to have 1,400 yards, but polished players that are going to come in and make an instant impact. Jefferson spent three years at LSU. Smith, four years, produced right away at Bama. I just, I like it. I think that's a, a good a good potential comparison, even though I do know they're different players when you're talking about the film. I think there are a lot of differences and we're never going to get the athleticism picture for Devontae Smith, which actually really bothers me. That adds a lot of risk into his profile that didn't necessarily have to be there because he ticks some boxes. He ticks the production box, obviously, with that insane senior year that he had for Alabama. I think he ticks a lot of boxes on tape when you watch him. They're obvious, obvious concerns about size and getting rerouted when defensive backs get their hands on him. And that has been a problem for him, for sure. The breakout age box, though, James, not quite ticked. And I wonder how the Bengals would have him adjusted on their board for an average breakout age. Not great, not terrible, but but certainly not in the Justin Jefferson range. I mean, Justin Jefferson came into the league at 20. He turned 21 last June. He turns 22 in a couple of months. Devontae Smith's breakout age at Alabama, he was almost 21 years old. So Justin Jefferson coming into the league just a little bit older than when Devontae Smith started dominating in college. There's some differences there. Justin Jefferson, 
listed, actually measured 30 pounds heavier. So that's a little bit of a difference, I think, for sure. And we actually have his athleticism numbers. We know how he tested. And so for the Bengals, when you're trying to figure out where to put Devontae Smith on your board, I think that they're going to look at his lack of athletic testing, his lack of a weigh-in, and and the age issue. And I think that almost unambiguously that Jamar Chase is the top receiver on the Bengals board. That's fair. I won't debate that one bit. And I, I think really my my comp with the Jefferson thing, again, it is, isn't about play style, but everyone overanalyzed Jefferson so much that a year ago, I remember writing at all Bengals, if Jefferson's there at 33, you absolutely take him. And I had people push back, like, what are you talking about? And really like question it. And I just think we're kind of overanalyzing Smith a bit. Is he perfect? No. Wherever he goes, though, if he has a capable quarterback, i.e. a Joe Burrow, do I think he's going to have success? I do. Now, the weight thing is the the fly in the ointment, because outside of that, I have really no questions. But that is a question. And it does stink that we're not getting the the athletic testing and he's not running and doing all of those things, because that would that would kind of help things. If he runs a, a four, three, eight. Well, well, then it's OK that you're 170 if you're flying and you got that length that he has. And just like that, James. We're back to Mock Draft Monday. We're, we're talking on the Monday. We're talking about the draft here as we record this episode. The Bengals have given us no free agent news to talk about, except Kevin Huber re-signed with the Cincinnati Bengals. Out of all the things to talk about, that is uh, the most tangible news of the day, but also compared to some of these other topics we're talking about, I think a lot less impactful. Kevin Huber, though, continues his football career in Cincinnati, and that's great. I like Kevin Huber. Seems like a good guy, has been a good punter, and has been around the city from UC to the Bengals forever. So that's a fun one. He's back with the Bengals, and we'll see what comes next. And there better be something next, because if there isn't these below average and confused reviews about why the Bengals haven't done more to help Joe Burrow are only going to get louder as free agency wraps up. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We've got you covered here five days a week. So if you're new, again, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can get it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcast, you should be able to find us. And we'll be there for you whenever there's breaking Bengals news or otherwise five days a week. Until next time, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one.